everybody, Jimmy Smith on today's Unlocking the Cage podcast. I sit down with Logan Storley, Bellator interim welterweight champion about his past, Scott Coker, and his future in the promotion. Also, we talk about the most hateable sports figures, the people we love to hate. And my God, it's a long list. I agreed with the 49-46. I only gave Michael Venom Page one round. I thought Logan Storley controlled it with his wrestling. The top game, the smothering pressure, didn't let MVP at all implement his game. I thought that was a completely unjustified split decision. That should have been a unanimous decision. It is what it is. But whenever you're dealing with MVP in Bellator in hostile territory, right, in London, you got to worry about that kind of stuff. But uh, Logan Soy dealt with it. He dealt with it well. That's why he is the Bellator interim champion. Are you with us, my man? How's it going? Uh, it's going well. Back, uh, All right. back in the state of South Dakota, so that's good. Sweet. Got, still got family out there. Mitchell, South Dakota. It's true. It's true. It's one side of my family's from. So um, I want to ask you a question, man. When you were in the middle of the Bellator cage in London and you heard a scorecard for MVP, which I thought – watching it as a fan was completely unjustified, but you're in London, you're in his backyard. What was going through your head at that point, man? Um, well, after the fifth round, I knew that I got it done. I was, you know, happy, excited. And I heard saw him take a little bit and they go judge. Number one scores it 48, 47. I was like, Oh no, this is happening again. Like, it's just like, come on. I thought, you know, it's just scary because there's nothing I can do at that point. It's all out of your hands. And then I, when I heard 49-46, I, I knew we got it done. But, yeah, man, it's just judges just see fights so differently, and there's no rhyme or reason. And it's just frustrating sometimes as a fighter. I get that, man. So how frustrating or how satisfying was the fight itself? You stayed with the game plan. You stepped to your wrestling. You, you, you were able to deal with the speed of MVP, which has always been a problem for everybody. Was there anything about the fight itself that surprised you when you were in it? Um, I was surprised how good he was at getting to the edge of uh, getting to the cage and then kind of just holding position. You know, people want to, you know, talk to me all they want but it's like he never tried to get up he just was really good at you know kind of stay in that position but he didn't want to scramble he didn't want to use all his energy um so that kind of that did surprise me a little bit and his lane his i knew his grip was good but i didn't realize it was going to be that good with just kind of holding wrists and and tying you up uh, when you when you when getting ready for this fight, how was it simulating somebody like MVP? This build, his range is weird. His style is really really strange. What was it like in camp getting ready for this guy? Were you able to find people that could mimic his style? Yeah, I was with some uh, one guy that's six three, um, long, rangy, athletic, hits hard, um, and then we'd go with some guys that would be more of a karate background that would bounce in and out. Um, but it's hard to it's hard to feel that until you're actually in that cage, you know, in a live competition, make you know, feeling it for the first time. So, um, but yeah, you know, I, I knew what I had to do. I had to just make little small adjustments and circle to the right and put the put the pressure on them um, once you got in close. Uh, speaking of course to Logan Storley, Bellator welterweight interim champion. Uh, when you Think about fighting in London in front of a hostile crowd. There was a, a wrestler named Eric Guerrero who was big when I was 
you know, he went to high school same year as I did, three-time national champion at Oklahoma State, and he talked about wrestling in yep. Iowa, and he goes, best thing ever. I love wrestling in Iowa because they boo us and they hate us. You might as well be cheering me because I love that, whether it's negative or positive, that energy. What was it like uh, fighting in London against a London fighter, the whole prep, everything, the crowd reaction? How did all that feel, man? Uh, yeah, I did some interviews early, you know, right before the fight, and I – I said, hey, man, I've, I've wrestled at Carver Hawkeye Arena, which is 15,000 people yeah. in, in black and gold that hate you, especially Minnesota-Iowa rivalry we had. Yes. I've been to Penn State. You know, I've been – so I've wrestled in those crowds of, of huge crowds who really do not like you. Um, and I think it uh, – once you get in there, it doesn't really matter. Um, but I was just a little worried with the – with uh, if the crowd was going to get to the ref on – on standing us up and doing this because, you know, sometimes these crowds do, uh, they do affect fights and they affect, they affect the uh, judges, you know, because they're screaming for anything that he does and hate everything, you know, I did. Did you feel that was a factor in the fight? Do you feel it was a factor in the judging or do you feel, feel that at least the refereeing was down the middle? I thought the ref did a great job. He let us work. He talked to me. Um, the judges, uh, obviously clearly one of them, um, it must have got to him, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, you just have to go out there and compete. And I did that. And, um, I showed my dominance in my, in my skill and took the fight to where he, uh, you know, he couldn't do anything. And so everyone that's, you know, that was complaining and it's like, well, then make him get out of there. And he had 10 minutes on the feet and he couldn't hurt me. Couldn't not, uh, not be down nothing. So, you know, I'm just sick of hearing all this, uh, Nobody will ever be happy if you go out there in five seconds and knock someone out. They're going to still be mad about something. So, you know, it is what it is. I'm just uh, – I came back with the world championship belt and the world champ. And, you know, what? hate me for that all you want, I guess. But uh, I got it done. Is there any pressure? I mean, we're all social animals, right? We're all – we all want to please the people around us. We want to please the crowd around you. Was it part of the – discipline of the fight to go, hey, look, we don't care what the crowd says, what the crowd does, stick with your game plan no matter what. Was that part of the training leading in? Yeah, you know, when you have guys like Robbie Lawler and Henry, who guys who are have been part of so many big fights, um, and it was well, the only hard thing for me was after that Neiman Gracie fight was 25 minutes and throwing 400 punches and exciting and, and everybody was happy and it was only good positive things you know, sent my way. I really did enjoy that and would like to do that again. But uh, there was a world title on the line and I needed to expose him where he was not good. And, you know, that's what I did. Uh, speaking to Logan Storley, welterweight uh, interim champion in Bellator, of course, victorious over MVP in London. Uh, how do you feel about Scott Coker's statements that a MVP won the fight? And that there's kind of a, uh, uh, a, a an obligation to entertain with your fighting. I didn't necessarily agree with those things. What were your thoughts on it, man? It was just – it was interesting because I just, like I said, two months ago put on uh, one of the most exciting fights of 2022 with Neiman. When I fought Amasov, we scrambled back and forth, um, and it was one of the most entertaining ground fights that we've probably seen in a long time. And – it's like MVP did nothing about him. You know, he didn't want to move. He didn't want to um, scramble. And it's like, why aren't you yelling at him? You know, 
And so for Scott to come out and say that, I, you know, I, I, I understand it. It is, it's a sport, but it's also entertainment. Um, but when it comes to, you know, what the paper says, it says I'm world champ. And so I guess he can, he can say whatever he wants. Um, you know, I respect the hell out of Scott and, uh, but I was just kind of a little disappointed with, you know, those comments. Did they surprise you? Because, you know, I used to be a commentator for Bellator. I talked to Scott Coker quite a bit and <clears throat> had him on the show quite a few times. But generally, you don't want to antagonize your champion. Be it in, you know, what is, he's your champ right now. We don't know the situation with, with Amasov. Of course, he's in Ukraine fighting. That could drag on for quite a while. We don't know what the deal is. You are right now the guy at 170 pounds of Bellator. So I found his comments a little surprising. Did you find them surprising? Well, I understand it uh, with, obviously, they wanted Neiman to, with the Gracie name, um, they'd love for Neiman to be to be the guy. And then it's MVP. It's such a big UK draw. Um, so I went out and have beat two of their guys that they want, uh, two of their stars that they want to really build. And, uh, and I went out there and embarrassed them both. And, you know, I guess if he's upset about that, you know. <laughs> It is what it is, but uh, I don't know, man. I just – I don't care because I'm the champ and, you know, I, I did what I had to do and, and continue to uh, continue to improve, and uh, that's part of it. It's, it's uh, mixed martial arts for a reason. Uh, let's talk about that feeling of being champion. It was a split, which I didn't agree with, but the decision did go your way. You're the champion. What was it like to take that belt home finally with all the work you've done in Bellator, all you did in wrestling to finally have that? What's that feeling like, man? You know, it's uh, it kind of made up for those four years of college wrestling, you know, losing in the semifinals three years in a row, uh, those shortcomings, and to finally become the best of the world is uh, – you know, it's a, it's a lifelong of work. It's been, I started wrestling at five years old and, and all those, all those sacrifices finally, um, you know, made sense now of, of, uh, get it done and being the best in the world. And so it was a, a lot of, a lot of joy and just kind of a, a lot of pressure kind of taken off your shoulders. Uh, of course, speaking to Logan Storley, Bellator interim welterweight champion, your one loss to Amasov, who is right now Bellator welterweight champion, but he's fighting in the Ukraine. That conflict, of course, dragging out. We don't know how long that's going to take, when he's going to be back. What are your thoughts on getting that fight back or perhaps not getting that fight back? How would that go both ways for you, man? Um, yeah, you know, for me, it's the, the one lone loss on my record. I thought I did enough to win that split decision, so I really want that, that back and to – uh, unify the belt and, and, you know, be undisputed. So, uh, yeah, but at the same time, he's got, he's got something bigger going on. So, uh, you know, he can't control that. I can't control that. Um, so for me, it's, you know, he's got to do what's best for him and his family. Um, so that's really all I have to say about that. If, if he is ready and does want to come back, then I'm excited because I think I've improved, improved a lot from two years ago when you saw me fight there. And uh, I think he's improved too, but I, you know, I've made some big, some big strides here in the last year and a half, two years. How do you feel now? Once again, having been champion, you know what it's like to be champion. 
imagine laying that down to go fight in a war where you might be injured, paralyzed, hurt, killed, when he could stay here and, and defend his title. What's your respect level for the guy, that guy? Now that you're champion and knowing kind of what he laid down to go there, uh, what's your respect level for him, man? Yeah, you know, that's just – that's being selfless. You know, he just is – he, he – took care of his country first, you know, over money and the belt. And, and so to me, that was very impressive. You know, uh, he just went over there and with all those guys, and especially in a war like that, where we've seen the videos and the pictures of, of, uh, buildings getting blown up and, and it's just, it's mayhem. And so, you know, he might, he could not come back. He could get killed over there and, and to give everything up is, you know, I respect him. You know, I respected him before, um, just from the time we spent in there and battled. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's an impressive thing to do, and you know, that country has to be proud of you. Uh, moving forward at 170 pounds, I think it's one of the best divisions in Bellator. It's, it's stacked full of talent. Some great names there. Have has anyone approached you about your next fight? Do you know what direction it's heading? Is there anybody you'd like to fight next? Um, yeah, you know, obviously it's only been a week. I haven't heard anything. Obviously there's questions about Amos Haver out there. I don't know where we're, where it's at. Um, and then after us two, you have, uh, Lima and Jason Jackson, you know, Jason Jackson's a teammate of mine, a good friend of mine have been in the gym with them for the last five, six years. Um, so yeah, it's, a, it's kind of interesting for me too. It's a hard situation because, you train together and your coaches, um, it, you know, it's, it's hard if you were both in camp going to fight each other and you see your coach over there helping him. <laughs> it's a, it's an awkward, it's not like wrestling wrestling. You just go out there, shake hands and, and seven minutes it's over. You're not trying to hurt each other. Um, so this is different. Uh, I, can I pick your brain about that for one second? Cause we had, um, uh, a segment yesterday about, um, Amanda Nunes leaving American Top Team because Kayla Harrison was there and they're bringing other women who were in the same weight class even though they didn't fight for the same promotion and she didn't like that. And I said, that doesn't mean guys deal with all the time. Guys deal with this constantly in big teams, right, that, that have real talent in that. How would you deal with that? Would, 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 let's say it is Jason Jackson next. Would you guys train in different places? How, how would that work for you as champ? Would it make you uncomfortable enough to leave? Um, you know, I'm not leaving. I've, I have my coaches, my teammates – um, Gilbert, Burn, you know, all these guys who are 170 and whether it's UFC, Bellator, you know, I think we got the best 170 pounders in the world when it comes to depth. We got 10, 15 guys that are, you know, unbelievable. So I'm not leaving. I got all my faith in my coaches. But like I said, when you walk in for 10 a.m. practice, it, you know, like, do you, obviously you're probably not going to spar all camp, you know, or you're not going to grapple, you're not going to wrestle. But, uh, what are the coaches going to do? Do they not help you with situate? You know what I mean? Those are the yeah. tricky things. Um, when they're like, all right, Jason, work on slipping this, moving here. And uh, Logan, we're going to do this. It's like, that's, that's going to be the tricky part is when it comes to individual and breaking down and getting a game plan ready, the coaches almost have to step all the way out. And um, that's tough for me as a fighter, because those are the guys that get you ready for to fight, you know, and give you the kind of the game plan and break down how you should be, how many practices, how, how are we doing this? How are we doing that? So it's, I don't know, man, it's, it's just such a weird situation to be in. 
I feel you, man. Well, congratulations on your win over MVP. Congratulations on the belt, man. Looking forward to your next fight. Logan Storley, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for giving me your time, buddy. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. The way I look at it, there are athletes, coaches, sports figures who are hateable, 100% easily hateable. And I'm not saying, for the purposes of our discussion here, bad people. Not saying they've necessarily done anything. If anybody I talk about as a hateable player, air quotes, or coach or whatever, you could say, oh, but so-and-so did something much worse. Yes, we're not talking about people who did bad things necessarily. Some of them have done bad things. But it's that are just, I hate that, don't like that person. The people we love to hate is a great way to put it. Kelly, is that a fair assessment of what's going on? Absolutely. Just because we hate you doesn't mean you're a bad person. You're just easy to hate for X reason. Right. So we have a couple of lists we found online. We'll, of course, add our people to this list as appropriate. But we're going to go on a scale here from 1 to 10, how hateable this person is. Once again, some of these people did things, others did not. But we'll have our own personal scale guns. Are you there? Never know Always. if Guns is there because he's so. All right, cool. Always. Cool. Awesome. What's up? Well, your camera's not on, so I don't know when you're there or not. Yeah, so but my, everything's guess. falling apart. Yes, what's okay. up? Right, that's your life. So you're going to join us in our hateable scale of, of athletes and yeah, sports? I, I, yes. And, and keep in mind, I kind of hate humans in general. So I'm excited for this. Okay. Well, I got two haters with me. Kelly, of course. <laughs> The queen of hate. So there you go, from the words of my very own daughter. So are you ready, Kelly Kell? I'm going to throw out the athlete. You give me the, the hate scale, 1 to 10. Okay. Should I start with if I hate this person too? Like if I even yes, agree? Just okay. I do or do not hate them. Here okay. is my number. Sure. LeBron James. I don't. You don't hate LeBron James? No, he did. I'm a Heat fan. He did a lot of great things for me. He brought me oh, my titles. God. Do we have common ground as a Lakers and Heat fan that we respect the skills of LeBron James? Of course. Have we found common ground? Did I cry and, and it was a really bad situation when he left the Heat? Yes. But do I respect the man? Yes. Brought you some titles he did. Did some great things sure for did. you. Okay. Brought us a title in L.A. Another one. We had a lot, but he brought us another one, and I really appreciate that. Guns, you're the last one. Do you hate LeBron James? Because he is yeah. hateable to a lot of people. Oh, totally. You do hate his, his personality is the worst. Like, okay, like, yeah, I'm not going to hate him for how talented he is, but off the court, he's, he's just annoying. He's a crybaby. Like, there's an account called Is LeBron Crying, and all it is is just him complaining and whining after, after, uh, after games. So, yeah, LeBron is the worst. Like, and also, like, the decision, the, the decision when he made the decision to go to Miami, that was such BS for him to do that. Like, th I immediately started not liking then for this whole charade and stuff like that. But yes, I am not. I would put LeBron probably at eight point five out of ten, as much as I dislike him. 
That's a pretty high hate. Eight and a that half is, pretty is a high. lot. Yes. That's pretty high. Okay. Then wow. Then we got we got if LeBron is that high on your list, I don't know how the rest of this is gonna go. Let's stay with basketball. Dennis Rodman. I do kind of hate Dennis Rodman. Uh, I remember his prime, by the way. I remember his prime in the 90s. Um, Kind of an a-hole. Now, he played it up. I remember him with the Pistons before that, by the way. And then the Bulls. Uh, That time he kicked a cameraman in the balls for absolutely no reason because he ran into him diving off the court. Wasn't the cameraman's fault. He was, you know, on the ground. Um, Not the hair, not all that stuff. But an a-hole on the court. Uh, His visit to North Korea, he's an a-hole off the court quite a bit. If you saw him on Celebrity Rehab, not a great person. Kind of easily hateable. Low on my list. He's not that bad. I would say he's like annoying hateable, like a four or five. Kelly, what do you say? Yeah, I agree. I mean, when I watched that Last Dance documentary, I kind of had a different kind of respect for him. Like, he really just, like, marches to the beat of his own drum. So I don't necessarily hate him, but I could see why people do. So I would say, like, he's a two or a three on my list. Okay. Uh, you're becoming kind of the king of hate. Guns, what do you say? I love Dennis Rodman. I would I would Ooh, drink. Okay. I would love to hang out with Dennis Rodman. I mean, listen, he was banging Carmen Electra, all these people. I, I love that's his personality. That's what I, I, that's your Yeah, he's doing that. Like that's a role model to me. Got, okay. All right. I, I kind of get that. All right. And, and also so, like he he also like I loved him like okay, so the kicking thing, listen, he was just mad at the moment. We we've all done that. But, um, we have not all kicked a cameraman in the balls for no reason. <laughs> I love that. I love whenever you hear something like, "Oh no, we've all been there." I've never done that <laughs> ever. I would Look, never do that. Listen, and I've been I thrown off a jujitsu mat into a person a million times, and I never hit that person. Okay. Listen, Robin. He, he just does it his way, and I respect that. That's gangster. So I like that. Dennis Robin's a hero in my book. All right, all right. So two out of three, but it's a low level of hate. I don't, you know, he's like annoying hate. All right, I know you're a Yankees fan, Kel. A Rod. I hate A Rod. Wow. As a Yankees fan. As a Yankee fan, he tried to say Derek Jeter was like doing steroids or something, and I was like, don't throw stones when you're in a glass house like you're I hate you I hate you and I will always hate you he's one of my all-time biggest Yankee hates Gary Sanchez is number one but A-Rod is very close okay so so on the scale one to ten what's your A-Rod hate nine nine uh I don't like A-Rod at all and for the purposes of this I'll say I'll use the word hate um I don't like the way he handled his steroid controversy by the way I, what I hate about a lot of, of, of athletes and it, with, with controversies, it's almost the victim playing card. It's how dare you. Dude, you did something wrong. You got busted. It is what it is. Just take your medicine. And I hate the grandstanding. I hate the victimhood. And he pressed all of those buttons. Got a bunch of people to protest outside his hearing when he was just guilty of sin. It just bugs me. I hate that kind of stuff. That that avoidance of responsibility really bothers me. So two out of three guns, what do you say? 
I am a diehard Yankee fan. Like Aaron right, Boone okay. hitting the home run is the greatest moment in my life. Like I, my favorite sports moment ever. So yes, I'm a diehard Yankee fan. I can't stand A-Rod. He is a All fake. right. He's a fake, a phony, and a fraud straight up. And he, I don't care that he won, it, like helped us win the World Series in 2009. Like I don't, I like, I it, like that wasn't because of just A-Rod. Like, no, I, he, he's probably like that eight, eight and a half up there with LeBron. I mean, he would even be higher, but the only thing was he was kind of a Yankee. So I'll give him that a little bit, but he is a, I don't really even consider a rod like a Yankee. Like he's, 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 he's so corporate. Like he broadcasts games now and he's so corporate and annoying. I can't stand a rod. Ah, I hate him. I can't stand him. I feel like every time he gives an answer, he's not giving an answer. He's given like the PC answer. Like you can't. The PR version of what he's supposed to say. Yeah. 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 And it's so annoying. Yes. Okay, good. So he's, he's high on both of our lists. Here's a guy who's super high on my list. As far as people who haven't, like beat their wives or killed somebody. Okay, because OJ Simpson is on this list. I'm looking at. Okay, he killed somebody. Like that's a different level. Okay, allegedly. Uh, guns don't make me come <laughs> over there. Okay, so <laughs> on the list of people who didn't do anything of that level, my number one. I can't. I hate Lance Armstrong. He is a ten, and the reason I hate Lance so much. There's a great documentary, by the way, called The Armstrong Lie that. You should watch. It's very, very good. It's by Alex Gibney. The way he went after people who were telling the truth was disgusting. The way he didn't just say, I didn't dope. He went, they're liars. They have no credibility. He called one of the women who worked on the team who helped, who knew about him transporting, you know, and picking up, up, uh, 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 illicit substances, I mean, PEDs, EPO, all this stuff. In a deposition, they said, why would she lie? And he said she was afraid we were going to out her as a whore. He said that in a deposition about a woman who was telling the truth. I don't like when you get busted and it's, you, 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 it's, how could I, as a cancer survivor, endanger my own health? He didn't just say I didn't do it. He always took that extra step of how dare you accuse me of this. He always pulled the cancer card. He always, all the things I'm doing with my foundation, the haters trying to tear me down. He always went a level above just going, I didn't do it. Okay, he lied. All right, I'm not, I don't care about that. He always went after the people who accused, who told the truth in a vicious way. Dude's a dirtbag. I don't like him. Ten on my list. Kelly, what do you say? Wow, I didn't like. I guess I'm out of the loop because I didn't know people like hated Lance Armstrong. It's a little Lance before Armstrong. your time when this came out. This was like right, what, yeah, twelve years ago. I mean, know, based on what you said, though, yeah. I'd give him a solid seven. Dude, you like. Watch the documentary. Call, it's called the Armstrong. It'll be a t- if you watch the doc. It'll be a ten. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. you watch, I'll watch it. Ten. But I'll all watch this it. stuff, like not even the documentary itself. Like I remember when he was accused and the moral high road he tried to take. Yep. Guns. Do you remember this stuff? I, he, he, he always was, uh, yeah so righteous about it. It's like you lying dirtbag. You just. I- and on top of it, he's supposed to be this inspiration to cancer victims all across the world. And it's like, oh, but you lied and like you, you played them as well. 
You know what I mean? Like, yes. like yes. You, you were you, like everyone was wearing the those wristbands all started with Armstrong, like live strong. You know what I mean? Everyone right. was live wearing strong, those yeah. wristbands that became symbols of like cancer and all that stuff. And that was all because of him. And it was all fake. You know what I mean? Like it, it was just it was all BS. When once again, another deposition for a lot of them uh, in a deposition goes, you know, if I did steroids, I would lose the faith of millions of cancer survivors and all this da 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 How could you th- You did do it! You, you were doing exactly that! But he always pulled this, like, high road card of, like, oh, how would I disappoint all these people who believed in me and da-da-da? Yeah, well, that's exactly what you did. Exactly what you did. All right, a last one. We're going back to baseball, because you guys are both baseball fans. Um, he's a giant, so F him 100%. But for similar reasons... Barry Bonds, so easy to hate, not just because the steroid thing, but just kind of being a an antisocial a-hole when it came to ever dealing with people, the media, fans, anything like that. Seems so arrogant. Uh, he's a good seven or eight on my list. Kelly, is he on yours? Once again, probably a little before your time, but what do you think? Yeah, like I don't have anything personal because it was before my time, but yeah, I definitely hate him too. So I would say seven. Sweet. Seven. Okay, good. What's yours? Yeah, he's. Guys. I mean, he's up there. He's just an a hole. Like, you know what I mean? But like, do I do I hate Barry Bonds? Like, like, no. I mean, I really don't care about the juicing thing in all honesty because so many people were. So like, that doesn't really fully bother me. But no, he's just an a hole of a player. But like, there's a lot yeah, of those yeah. out there. There's a lot. Like Gary Sheffield's also an a hole. Like, there's there's like there's athletes that are just not nice people, and so I, the the hate. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit there and like boo him. Like there's people that like I I will I will I will like like I will not stop booing you if I see you or I want to like shove you into traffic. You know? Wow. Okay. That's that's one way to go. <laughs> Unlocking the cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts.